0: Welcome to More Than Ink.
1: Hey, I love the sound of those little chirping frogs in the oh, spring. The frogs. We have a marsh across the street.
0: Yeah, we got frogs There's right near where we live. a lot of them over there. Yeah, and every time I hear them, it makes me think, Oh, frogs are cute. They're so
1: sweet. But yeah. what would it be like if they came across the street and we found them everywhere well, in the house? Well,
0: then frogs would no longer be cute. And that happens today on, on More Than, Than Ink. Ink. Well, good morning, this is Jim. And this is Dorothy. And you have now joined us around our dining room table Figuratively speaking, that is, because I don't see anyone else except well, you, me. Well, we're here. Yeah, we're here. <laughs> and uh, we are continuing to walk our way through Exodus, and we're glad you've come with us. And uh, And we get to some, actually, some really well-known sections of Exodus. I mean, if people talk about Exodus, they talk about the plagues, right? That's
1: the one thing they do that's know. That's the one thing they do know about.
0: <laughs> and not too much of the consequence after that. So that's where we are today, and, uh, and, and we're going to... We're into the, not the first plague, we covered last time the first plague, which was...
1: Turning the Nile, the water of the Nile into blood. Nile into blood. You and know. that account ends with saying that and the Lord, it, seven full days passed yeah. after the Lord struck the water. Yeah. So there's a whole completed process of an entire week. Now, whether that means the water stayed blood for a whole week or whether they just had a week to...
0: Yeah, their heads around what
1: had just happened. Don't we know. don't know. That's a little bit but, unclear. <laughs> but it was,
0: it was extraordinarily disruptive to the life yeah. in Egypt. I mean, everything came from the water of the of the Nile. And so to turn it to blood made it totally useless to them. I yeah. mean, all the fish died. It was just a horrible thing. So if if there's any one thing that you could point to and say, this is what provides life in Egypt, it's the, it's Nile. the Nile. So yeah. the very first thing that God did to sort of wake them up and say, you know, I'm actually in control of the universe, so you need to let my people go, was... He just totally messed up the Nile. Which, you know, when we talked about it last time, we said that should have really been enough. Should have gotten your I attention. Mean, that was that was so serious in terms of the scale of these things. Mm-hmm. That should do it. Now, we know that the 10th plague is the one that will actually push him over the top. Right. But that should have done it. But it
1: didn't. But, you know, this prefigures that in a in the, the water of the Nile turning to blood, prefigures that death yeah, of the yeah. firstborn in a kind of it an does. interesting way. Because it's a life or death picture.
0: Right, right, right. That's exactly right. And at at Passover, you know, they took blood of a lamb and marked their the right, doorposts of their house. Right. So it's sort of like bookends. Here, yeah. Well, you we know. got
1: a few weeks before we get to that. Right. <laughs> well, so let's
0: get to the one today. We're talking today in the second plague, all about frogs.
1: Frogs. <laughs> Why frogs? Yeah.
0: Well, I, I've got a couple ideas about that. So well, everybody
1: but, has ideas about that. But
0: but uh, but God continues on in this process to try and. Try and get Pharaoh to soften his heart, and at every step, every step of every plague, it gets harder and harder and harder, and uh, and it gets harder today uh, in in a remarkable way. So anyway. yeah,
1: well, and be- maybe before we go on, one question that was in my mind as we started into this, and maybe it's in your mind too, people mm-hmm. who are listening, uh, is why these things, why these plagues, and why right. in this order. And uh, I think there's a lot of thinking out there that says that these were, there was kind of a naturalistic explanation for these plagues, because these were all naturally occurring things Mm -hmm. in Egypt, Mm -hmm. except that what God did was amplify them and demonstrate the control at his very word, these things would happen and be controlled. So that is one way of thinking about them. Uh, I don't incline particularly toward a naturalistic view of these things oh to explain that. to explain them yeah yeah yeah. but god was utilizing uh, the natural order of things in egypt that sort of makes
0: sense because the gods that they had in egypt were all naturally oriented right and so and they subdivided the creation basically and god here is saying no i'm the one to control of all of of
1: everything i'm lord of all the earth
0: and uh, and that's what you know at the beginning of this process pharaoh when he's confronted by moses and aaron pharaoh says well i don't know who your god is right well, every step along the way, he gets to know him a little bit better. Right. This is the God, <laughs> the God is the who God. is.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, let's get into okay. frogs
0: today. What do you say, frogs Alrighty. you wanna read for us? we sure, starting start. at the top of chapter eight, start verse one. Start reading in
1: verse one. Yep. Then the Lord said to Moses, go in to Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and into your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and on all your servants."
0: you want to stop there yeah stop there so, <laughs> so there you know we talked before about the fact that not all of the plagues have a warning this one does. this one
1: does god says exactly what he's this gonna do This is what's
0: gonna happen and uh, frogs and how were, bad it's gonna be frogs were common but not this common i mean
1: <laughs> well and there was an annual season when the frogs yeah. hatched and, yeah. and came out yeah. and that was an unexpected part of the natural order of
0: yeah exactly of, of the world, yeah. But here, he emphasizes the fact that you had frogs before, but now you're really going to have frogs. And then he takes efforts to tell them just how how far spread they're going to be, like everywhere. We're talking, everywhere. yeah. So
1: the interesting thing is there is a, a famous Egyptian god who is depicted as a woman with the head of a frog. That's right, right. yeah. Heck, and yeah. and she is the symbol of fertility and mm-hmm, related mm-hmm. to childbirth. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's interesting to me when God says, "Now these frogs are going to come up." everywhere more frogs than you ever thought in places you could you've imagined <laughs> they're going to be in your bed yeah, now that's yeah. significant given yeah. that hecate was associated with childbirth yeah that's right so you know he says there's no part of your life that's not going to be touched by these frogs yeah. you want frogs i'll give you frogs but i mean <laughs> it's, it's
0: like you might expect to see frogs if you're walking along the nile someday but, right but to have frogs in your ovens and right you're kneading bowls in I mean, words, it's they like, getting
1: into everything they're everything
0: yeah. absolutely everything yeah i read up on this this god hecate too you know this frog-headed kind of god and uh uh uh, this guy was also very much associated with the overflow of the Nile, which mm-hmm, happened
1: every Right, year. annually.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of how, how this guy got connected into fertility, because once the Nile overflowed, that's how they watered a lot of the cornfields, and then right. the corn would finally sprout as soon right. as that happened. And, and since when the Nile overflowed, you saw frogs on the ground. Right. So, so it seemed kind of natural that all of a sudden the frogs are there after the water overflows, and the corn sprouts so got a fertility. Right. That also made it illegal to kill them. You could not kill frogs. I found out. I didn't know that before. I didn't either. Yeah, that they were because because Hecate, the frog god, was just such a big big deal. When you saw a frog, and you know, you stepped around it, you did not kill a frog. Never. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a really really big deal. They could not be killed. Also, there was kind of a mythology that came out of the fact that that frogs. Uh, are, are one of the few animals that occupy two worlds, both the water world and right, the dry world. And right. so they, in a way, they saw they saw Hecate as, as a God who was part of mankind as well as you know heaven and stuff like that. So anyway, that, that's the guy. So we, we really are, we're talking about, we will talk about this many times, we really are aiming at, in a way, God kind of uh, making fun of. Their god right. system
1: he's he's demonstrating his power over whatever their god yeah. system is so this, and while these gods are not specifically named and there were so many of them and yeah, some of were, their realms yeah. overlapped in in hebrew or in egyptian mythology yeah that's right uh yeah. so you know the scripture doesn't name them but it's pretty obvious who some of them are that god is that's is right taken down yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: well here's one that's really a clear connection so the warning happens up to verse four and uh, and these frogs will come on your people and all your servants. I mean, they will be everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. So then the Lord instructs Moses, verse 5, the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, over the pools, and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt, covered the land of Egypt but the magicians these are you know the court mm-hmm. magicians but the magicians they did the same by their secret arts and made
1: frogs come up out of the land of Egypt now that's interesting to me because it this is. like the snakes could be produced by sleight of hand. Exactly. Right. If these guys yeah. were magicians in the kind of the classic sense. Yeah. Then they had tricks. They had unknown ways sure. by which they could trick you. Yeah. And yeah. that's probably what was happening here.
0: And that's what's going on here. They're kinda of, it's kind of a uh, competition between the magic of Moses and the magic of these. Right. And, right. and you know Well, actually they would they would have meant something to me that if they had if they could Instead of making more frogs, if they could make less frogs. Uh, undo the frogs I, that were I would there. Say, hey, yeah. Now we got a real thing going on here. But that's not the case. All they do is kind of add to the problem by saying, well, we can do that. <laughs> However, the fact that they do that doesn't seem to deter Pharaoh from understanding where this came Well, comes. this
1: is a bigger problem. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because it says that in verse eight, then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, plead with the Lord. Well, this is the first time he's acknowledged yeah. That, you know, yeah. talk to your God he, on behalf of He knows of me.
0: what is behind this.
1: Plead with the Lord, and he uses this proper name of God, to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Hey, good deal. Really? Yeah, okay. So, verse 9, Moses said to Pharaoh, Be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servants and for your people, that the frogs may be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, tomorrow so Moses said <laughs> right now be it as you say so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God the frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people they shall be left only in the Nile
0: okay let's stop let's right stop here. there so yeah so it looks like hey it looks like we've won Moses says okay uncle <laughs> uncle uncle take away the frogs and i go." fair uh, yeah so so take away the frogs and uh and I'll let your people go yeah we're done yeah well,
1: <laughs> not so much,
0: not so much. Don't read too much into it too quickly, but, but here, yeah, you're right. In verse eight, this is the first time that Pharaoh's actually out, out loud said, right. this Talk is coming to your from, God me, for from me. your God. Yeah. So you, would you plead right. with your God for me? I mean, you have, you have the connections evidently. So would you do that? And, uh, cause if you do that, then I'll let your people go sacrifice. A
1: yeah. Bit. He doesn't say he let the people go. No. He says he'll let them go do go their sacrifice. sacrifice.
0: Right. It was the the easy thing. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and and so Moses says, Moses says, you know, okay, if you're asking me to do that tomorrow, I'll do that. And because it's going to happen, then you'll know there's no one like the Lord. And right. he's talking about the God system. There is no one like our. None God. None
1: of your puny little yeah. gods are like your, this. God. Your
0: your Hecate right. God, your frog God, is not even like that. because yeah. our God controls the frogs. Yeah, so so again, we're back to Pharaoh coming to a further understanding of who the real God of the universe is. And so Moses says, you're going to get an understanding. So.
1: Now, does it strike you at this point that we're seeing Moses grow? Because In what way? if you well, because if you think about up to this point, prior to this, he had complained, "Oh, I'm not adequate. I can't mm. talk right. I can't do these things." But by the time of the second plague, God says, yeah. "Go do it," and he just goes and says it, just does it. Yeah. And then here, you know, the way he responds to Pharaoh, he says, "Now, okay, you command me, and I'll plead for you." Right, he's mm-hmm. kind of stepping into his role as the yes. as the intercessor yep. here. Yep. Um, you plead for me. Are you be pleased to tell me when, and tell I'll me pray when. then. Tell, tell me, me when. Tell me
0: when, and I'll do it. Yeah. In fact, this is the fulfillment of what God told Moses. He said that Pharaoh will kind of treat you like God. Right. Right. And so, so Pharaoh wants to make a message to God, and he goes directly to Moses. Right, so the right. connections there. Also, I would happen to think that after the whole Nile blood thing. That Moses' confidence is yeah, kind of up right. now. He right. sees what's going on. Yeah. But
1: he's becoming much more bold. He yep. doesn't question the obedience that God recalls anymore. And he uh, he just steps into this role of saying, yes, I will talk to, to the Lord yep. God for yep. you. Yeah. Because well, that's, that's what he's called me to do.
0: That's what he's called me to do. Well, let's see what happens. So uh, where'd we leave off?
1: Well, I want to say one more thing about oh, okay. twice we're told about the frogs being left only in the Nile. Yes. Right. Well, that's the natural order. That's the expected order. That's, that's where, where you be. expect to find frogs. Yeah. So yeah. what God has done here is he's just demonstrated, hey, I am over the natural order and I will cause these frogs to step way out of their natural realm and invade yeah. yours. Well,
0: they shouldn't be in your oven. Right. So. Yeah, so we'll put but, them back to where they're supposed I'm the to be. the one that will yeah. put
1: them back where they belong in the first place. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's interesting, if you go back to verse 9, he says that the frogs may be cut off. Cut from off. You, mm-hmm. Which is always a euphemism for dying. Dying. Yeah, uh-huh. so, so which is something that they can't do. They can't kill the frogs, even though, you know.
1: So that makes that a much more significant statement.
0: Yeah, yeah, they'll be cut off. It
1: says, God is the one who will take their life away.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we pick up where, twelve? Is that where we are? Uh,
1: I think that's where we left
0: yeah. off. Okay, so Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs, and he had as he agreed uh, with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, the frogs that's fascinating. the frogs died out in the houses and the courtyards and in the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps, and mm, the land stank. Can you imagine? <laughs> Yeah, let's just leave that there for a second, because uh, you
1: know what just struck me just as you just read it is we always see Moses doing according to the word of the Lord, but here mm-hmm. we have the Lord doing according to the word of Moses.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: That's a that's a really interesting turn.
0: Yeah of
1: words there
0: yeah because I've always wondered you know earlier here when he has this dialogue with with Pharaoh um, he says this is what's going to happen well we don't get a glimpse of God telling Moses tell Pharaoh this is what's going to happen Moses just says this is what's going to happen so in a way I've always wondered whether or not moses was his boldness was here to say well I'll, I'll tell you what god's going to do and god will do it and in a sense god's following moses's lead in a way here because he's or the lord
1: going. had made clear to moses what he intended to do no he
0: could have but he doesn't tell us that in, in other places where he has discourse with with pharaoh he tells us ahead of time that god told moses now moses you tell him So I've I've always wondered, we don't know, even if it's not recorded about God telling Moses what to say to Pharaoh, it is kind of interesting about what you just say about God following Mm -hmm. the word of Moses. Mm -hmm. It kind of supports me to say, well, maybe Moses in his faith said, well, God will do this and here we go. Yeah. God does it. Yeah.
1: Well, and as history goes on, you know, Moses is the one who writes down the law and delivers it to the people. And so yeah. the word of Moses and the word of the Lord become kind of synonymous.
0: Yeah, more and more. Yeah, exactly. So that, that could be what's going on right here. So, so Moses cries to the Lord about the frogs and uh and they all die out it's interesting he doesn't say all the frogs in the universe die or the frogs in the nile die just the ones who are out of place the
1: ones that well it doesn't say they died in the oven and the kneading bowls well yeah that's
0: true They died out in the houses, in the, the courtyards, implication and the implication is they
1: died out in the house, and they're no longer in the oven or the meatballs. Let's bowls. hope
0: not. Yeah, let's hope not. So now we have a whole bunch of dead frogs. Again, something that by law they could not do. They couldn't even kill the frogs. But now God has—that's the miracle. God has killed all these frogs. Woof! Just like that, in a very short amount of time, the frogs are all dead.
1: But the people still have to deal with the carcasses.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> and
1: they—it's pretty graphic. They swept them up in heaps
0: yeah and can you
1: imagine big piles of dead frogs no they surely did stink
0: oh man yeah so if they had to endure the bloody nile for a week enduring these piles of frogs for who knows Mm. how long is kind of a constant daily reminder of what just took place in their lives yeah
1: Well, and we don't know exactly the time frame or how long it took for all of these plagues to unfold. Mm -hmm. Some of this one Mm -hmm. seems to have taken place a week after the Nile turning to blood. We're we're given that seven days. But, you know, later on when we'll find one happens when a certain grain was in the crop and another mm-hmm. happens when a different grain was in the crop so you know that's a period perhaps of months in between so yeah, yeah. Uh, it, this is going to be a drawn out process yep, here
0: yep. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, Say the land stink
1: <laughs> well they don't stink the first day you sweep them up right that happens right. a day two three right. days four days later right. you begin and, to
0: detect the smell and you know it occurs to me since this is such a such an in-your-face uh confrontation with one of one of the really principal gods of of egypt uh you know in our lives when we invest our trust in something that's not a god but we invest in it like it is a god we'd call that modern idolatry where you you invest in it or you look to it and you hope that it'll provide for Mm -hmm, you money and stuff like that do that i invest in the money and i'm sure it's going to return back to me life so you look to it for the essence of life that's idolatry it's, isn't it often the case that you do that thinking this will return back to me life. This will bring good into my life. And in the end, all it does is it stinks up the land.
1: Hmm. All it
0: does is rot in your presence. And you realize that the promise is not what you thought it was going to be. And then you have to live with the aftermath of
1: mm-hmm. that kind
0: of stuff. And during that aftermath phase, like they are here with the aftermath of the frogs, during that whole aftermath stage, you do some deep thinking, like maybe I was deceived about what this could really do, what this would really provide for me in life, you know, and maybe with this, with the wreckage of this piled around me like the frogs in piles, maybe I need to reconsider that I put my faith or my trust in the wrong thing. You yeah. Know? So that it just has a very strong corollary to me because God gives consequences to sin and consequences to us investing in gods that are not him. And he allows us to get hip deep in the repercussions of that as a mm-hmm. way for us to kind of get our head straight about what was I thinking kind of thing. So and, and that's exactly what happens here. The God of fertility is now dead in right. piles on the ground.
1: Right. <laughs> and that sets me thinking about Egyptian women who were pregnant or maybe in labor, during this time mm-hmm. and what what was it communicating to them yeah, that yeah. this thing that they regarded as a token of favor of the gods yeah uh, was dying outside the door
0: yeah and in fact i read somewhere that that pregnant women often wore frog right amulets frog amulets just to kind of guarantee the birth uh, right. and the birth was always parallel likened to the overflow of the nile too so it's like you know oh, man can you imagine wearing a frog amulet you know hoping to the gods that your your delivery is going to be okay and now outside the door are these mountains piles of frogs it's like well maybe this Mm. god is not going to provide for me like i thought Hmm. yeah maybe yeah i just i just find it i i find it impressive that god allows us to live with the aftermath of our poor Mm -hmm. choices for us to kind of think some deep questions that's all
1: so as we're kind of coming to the end of the time here, the, the repeated thing with every one of these plagues is a statement about the condition of Pharaoh's heart. Yes. And yes. that's how this passage ends too. In verse 15, but when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. Right, but wait a second! He promised he'd do it. Well, yeah, you know. So, <laughs> what is it with Pharaoh hardening his heart? The Lord had said, "Now Pharaoh's heart is hard. Mm-hmm. I will harden it, and he will harden his own heart." Right. Uh, you know, we're not comfortable with that um, paradox. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Who yeah. is it? Is it God doing the hardening, or is it Pharaoh? We mm-hmm, are responsible mm-hmm. for the condition of our own hearts yeah uh, although god is also sovereign over the condition of our hearts and boy that makes us really uncomfortable that oh we yeah can have those oh, conflicting yeah. ideas held in tension and yet the scripture seems to indicate well does indicate both are true
0: yeah yeah, they are both true, and and like you say, we'll continue to see this again thing and again, over and over. Again. And over. Mm-hmm. But how hard a heart can you have when at the front you come to Moses and you say, "Fix this, plead, plead right. to God for right. me," and Moses does, and then for us says, "Oh, never mind, I changed my mind."
1: Oh well. <laughs> I know people in my own experience who, you know, get caught up in the emotion of their desperation in their circumstances. Yeah. Oh, plead with God for me just, and I'll do this. Just relieve my circumstances. And then the minute the relief comes, yeah. they're right back to where they were. Yep. Yep. And, you know, maybe that's. I'm describing myself sometimes <laughs> I mean, that's more personal. It's not always out there. It's right in here.
0: Well, plot spoiler all the way through the process of hardening Pharaoh's heart. You start to realize that you, we all have that same affliction. Yeah.
1: yeah. But you know that we're told a couple of times now we'll see it uh, next week too, that the outcome of this hardened heart was he would not listen. Yeah. Yeah. In response to relief of his immediate pain in his circumstances, yeah. he would not listen. Nothing would convince him. Yep,
0: yeah. yep. Yeah. Even though God complied with the pleading, and interestingly yeah. enough, when God did comply, God knew He wasn't going to change His right. mind. Right. Right. Yeah. But it, it's we're just getting a view here to the fact that Pharaoh's hardness is probably worse than we might have ever thought, because here he actually makes the promise to Moses and then just reneges at the end.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, he's going to do that again. He but will. you know in verse 10 when Moses said now be it as you say so that you may know there's no one like the Lord our God. Mm-hmm. Well, in the next chapter we'll see in next week uh, he says that you may know that the Lord is Lord in all the earth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? So there's no one like him. He reigns over everything. Yep. He yep. holds the natural world in yep. order
0: yep he's the one that's in charge not your phony panoply of gods right
1: and yeah. i'm bringing you through this so that you will know who god is yep. and who you are
0: yep and that's a good explanation for why there's 10 plagues instead of five or two or none at all is that is moses is going through a process with pharaoh where pharaoh is indeed getting to understand who god is a little mm-hmm. bit more every single time mm-hmm. Even here, symbolically speaking, God is not only just more powerful than frogs, but mm-hmm. God is more powerful than the God of fertility, where life comes from and next right. generations come from. Right. And so so at this point, we're actually God's actually saying that your hope in your next generation, that your fertility God guarantees, your hope in your next generation is misplaced. This God will not do it for you. And that really hints toward the 10th plague in all of us in terms mm, of the loss of the first yeah it sure does so i mean like you were saying you think of a pregnant woman at this time she's got her frog amulet around her neck she's hoping that this frog god will make this pregnancy come out fine and in the end god's saying that frog god is not what guarantees right. that fertility right. or your next generation i'm the one who guarantees that and sure enough since it's repudiated here in the last plague that's what goes is the firstborn of the next generation yeah, it's an interesting connection.
1: And we got some ground to cover between now and then.
0: Yeah, plot spoiler. I just <laughs> told you what the 10th plague was. I'm everybody sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, everybody knows that. So anyway, we're so we're running short on time again. This was the uh, second plague of the frogs, which to us in Western civilization seems like a crazy thing. But the frog god is a big deal, very big deal. It was also connected with the Nile and the fertility of their plants as well as their women. I mean, hopes of the future are tied in with the fertility god. So when you say that God uh, confronts the fertility God, you're confronting your hope for a future mm-hmm. in all of this. So this is really quite fundamental to their beliefs. So I'm hoping you're hanging with us. Next time, we're going to get to some more pests. <laughs> Not just frogs, but actually sort of worse in so many ways uh, as God continues this process of revealing to, to Pharaoh who he is. So I'm Jim.
1: And I'm Dorothy.
0: And we hope that you're enjoying moving through Exodus. Yeah. You know? Anyway... <laughs> God's gracious, He knows us. So join us next time on More Than Ink. More Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. That was pretty good. (laughs) Frogs are no longer cute.